Take your Bibles and please turn to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, first book in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 2, easy to find. We're going to be looking there to start. Of course, we looked at this in our Christmas service, but we're not going to be ending there today. We're just going to start there. Praise God. 2018 is just around the corner. How do you guys like the setup on the stage this morning? Does that look, does that look pretty cool, right? That looks pretty nice, right? And uh, we have, uh, you know, the 2018 balloons here. In fact, we had uh, out in the foyer, if you do, I don't know if you missed it, but we had uh, a champagne tower to ring in the new year earlier this year. Did you guys see that? Some of you guys came early enough to see it. We had a tower of champagne bottles uh, or champagne cups, and then we poured champagne, and it kind of all dropped down into the other cups. It was really, really cool to see. If you didn't get the chance to see it, uh, uh, there might be some champagne. It's non-alcoholic champagne, okay? In fact, it's more like apple cider uh, and mango juice, uh, but it was a lot of fun. It was just another way to ring in the new year. Are you guys excited for the new year? 2018, man, 2017 has come and gone. What an amazing year it's been for Thrive Church. What an amazing uh, year it's been for our church family, but we absolutely believe in 2018 the best is yet to come. If you believe that, say amen. And many of you know here at Thrive Church, in the year 2017-2018, we have a theme for this year. It is expand your territory. Everyone say expand your territory. What do we mean when we say expand your territory? Well, really, we mean two things. When we say expand your territory, the first thing we mean is it's a prayer to God. It's saying, God, I want you to expand your territory in me. I don't want to keep being the same person that I used to be. I want you to do the work in my life that only you can do in my heart, in my mind, in my marriage, in my school, in my workplace, in my relationships, in my home, in my city. God, expand your territory in me. Let your kingdom come. That's what we mean, the first thing we mean when we talk about expanding your territory. But there's a second meaning to expand your territory. Expand your territory is another way of you looking at your life this coming year. It's a way to drive and energize the way you approach life in 2018. That in 2018, you're not just going to live in your own little bubble, your own little comfort zone, but in 2018, you're going to live a life outside your comfort zone. You're going to live a life of courage. If you believe that, say amen is that you're going to live a life not of fear, where you're always fearing the worst, but you're living a life of faith. It's a life where you're not living as if your best days are behind you, but it's a life where you're believing that the best is yet to come. It's it's a life where you're not just kind of focused on yourself and your happiness and your comfort and your convenience, but you realize that I'm here on this earth to be a blessing, not just to be blessed. In fact, I'm blessed to be a blessing. And so in 2018, I'm going to live for a purpose that's bigger than myself. I'm to expand my heart. I'm going to expand my mind. I'm going to expand my relationship with God. I'm going to expand my love for people. It's time to expand your territory. If you believe that, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. It's time to expand your territory. Give him a shout as well in this place. Come on. That's what we're all about in 2017, 2018. Praise God. We've seen God expand our church both in number and in strength. We were a bigger, stronger church at the end of 2017 than we were at its beginning. And man, we are right now into the brand new year of 2018. We can't wait. And I can't think of a better message to give all of you this morning to prepare you for a new year than the message that I'm here to give you today. You're going to be so glad you came this morning. 2018 is a brand new year that's coming around the corner, and this message I've prepared for you is one I believe is going to really help you get ready for an awesome year in 2018. Are you guys ready? See, I'm I'm here to tell you that the message I'm here to share with you is called Search for Jesus in 2018. Search for Jesus in 2018. And the whole goal of this message is to show you 
that the most important thing that you can do in this coming new year of 2018 is to search for Jesus. That the most important thing you can do is not about necessarily your career or your marriage or even your kids as much as you love them. It's not necessarily about your studies or even what you're going to do with your life. But more than anything else, the most important thing that you can and need to do in 2018 is to search for Jesus. That means to discover who Jesus is, to know him more, to grow a relationship with him. Today, I'm going to tell you why that's so important, and I'm going to even tell you how you're going to find Jesus in 2018. Are you guys ready? Let me start with Matthew chapter 2. We looked at this passage last, year, last, last month and, or last week in our Christmas service, but how many of us know that God's word is deep? Everyone say, God's word is deep. It's got many layers to it. We can't cover it all at once. But I'm going to take you to Matthew chapter 2 to start. Verse 1 through 8. We're not going to read all of it, but we're going to read some of it. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Read it with me and help me preach in this place this morning. 1, 2, 3, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. If you have your Bibles in front of you, I want you to take a look at verse 8, and I'm going to ask you to underline a couple words here. It says, go and make a careful search for the child. I want you to underline a careful search for the child, a careful search for the child. Today we're talking about searching for Jesus in 2018. You're going to notice that in this passage, and it's a famous passage. We read it at Christmas time. And this passage is talking about two groups of people that are searching for Jesus. On one hand, you got the Magi. Everyone say the Magi. And these guys are wise men from the Orient, wise men from the East, who follow the star to look for this baby Jesus. On the other hand, you've got a guy called King Herod. Everyone say Herod. Herod, he's the king of Israel at that time, and he is looking for Jesus as well, but for completely different reasons. See, the Magi, they are looking and searching for Jesus because they're there because they're curious about Jesus. They want to know more about Jesus. In fact, they want to worship Jesus. On the other hand, you got Herod, whose only reason for wanting to search for Jesus is to destroy Jesus. He wants to kill him because he sees Jesus as a threat to his throne. And you're going to find this, is that in many ways, the same is true today. Whenever you find people who are talking about Jesus or thinking about Jesus or searching for Jesus today, they will often fall in two camps. Like the Magi, there are some who are really off, they're really just often searching for answers to questions and somehow thinking maybe Jesus is the answer. There are some like the Magi who are like, you know what? Jesus is a king. I'm here to worship him. There are, on the other hand, people today who are searching for Jesus and the only reason they're searching for Jesus is they want to basically kill Jesus. They want to say, 
you know what? You're a threat to my throne. You're a threat to my ability to control my own life. And so I want to kind of cut you out the sooner that I can, the better. And that's what we often find is that you're either searching for Jesus to worship him or ultimately searching for Jesus to destroy him. But how many of you guys know that whether you come at Jesus with gifts or you come at Jesus with a sword, we'll all end up bowing down to Jesus one way or the other if you believe that, say amen. Amen. If you come to Jesus and you give him your gold, your frankincense, your incense, your myrrh, your Bitcoin, you give him all that stuff. If you give all that to him, he will take it and receive it and you will be bound down to him. But if you come at him with a sword and say, I'm going to kill you, Jesus. Jesus, like an MMA champion, he will find a way to get you to submit. He'll put you in some kind of arm bar that's going to not kill you, but it's going to hurt you enough that eventually you're going to say, okay, I quit. I submit to you because that's what Jesus is. He's the king of kings. If you believe that, say amen. 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 Maybe you're here today and you can relate a little bit to the Magi. Is that you're searching for Jesus because you've got questions. See, the Magi are a very interesting group of people. For, for, for one thing, there weren't just three. You've heard, you heard that song, you know, we three kings of Orient are talking about the Magi. There weren't necessarily three. The Bible never says that there are three. Uh, there, there, there were maybe five, there may be ten, there may be twenty. There, there was probably a, quite a lot of them uh, because they made such a commotion in the city of Bethlehem and in Jerusalem during that time. And these Magi, they were searching for Jesus because they were, they were asking some big questions about life. They were trying to figure out the answer to some of life's most important questions. Why am I here? What, who is God? What, what is the meaning of life? They had a scientific, logical side to them. They also had a romantic and artistic side to them. And interestingly, the thing is, the Magi, they weren't necessarily Christians. In fact, they came from a background where they learned about other gods. They, you know, believed other things. They had other belief systems and religions that they came out of. But for some reason, something about Jesus attracted them. Something about Jesus made them feel like maybe the answer is Jesus and nothing else. And maybe you're here and you can relate to the Magi, is that you are searching for answers. You're wondering about searching for the right career, searching for that right person to be with, that right person to marry. Maybe you're here searching for the right direction in life, trying to figure that out. Maybe you're trying to search for an answer to some deep questions you're asking right now. You know, speaking of searching, I don't know if you know this, but Google came out with a report on the most popular searches of 2017. Do you guys use Google? Is that the search engine you guys use? Any of you guys use Bing? Anyone use a Bing? Any Bing users here? Any Yahoo users here? Okay, whether you use which, whichever, either way is good, but Google came out with a search engine report that said the most popular news stories of 2017 were the following. I'll go through them one by one. Number one was Hurricane Irma. That was the number one news story of 2017. That's the Category 5 hurricane that in late August and early September rocked the Caribbean, rocked eastern U.S., especially Florida, caused over $66 billion in damage. That was the number one news story of 2017. Number two was Bitcoin. And I really believe that if Jesus was born today, those magi came, coming from the beast probably wouldn't have given them gold or frankincense myrrh. They probably would have given them some Bitcoin stock. Very likely they would have done that. Number three, I'm just kidding about that. Number three is uh, the Las Vegas shooting on October the 1st uh, that left 58 people dead, 546 people injured. That was the third most searched news story of 2017. Number four, North Korea. North Korea made a lot of headlines. They were the fourth most searched news story of 2017. Finally, and we talked about this last week, it was the solar eclipse. Anyone see the solar eclipse on August 21st, 2017? It's people's ongoing fascination with stars. You know, in terms of the most talked about, most searched news stories, those are the top five of 2017, according to Google. How about people? You know who the most searched for people 
of 2017 were? Can you guess? Well, let me give you a hint. So they did the top 10 most searched after people in the year 2017. Number 10 was Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. Uh, Wonder Woman, right? Justice League. She was in two blockbuster movies this past year. Uh, she really burst onto the scene this year. Was the 10th most searched after person on Google. Number 7 was the First Lady of the United States, which was Melania Trump. For some reason, she doesn't look very happy in this picture, but she was the seventh most searched per after person on Google. Number three was Harvey Weinstein, the Hollywood producer who founded several different entertainment companies, uh, including Miramax, but who this year made headlines when over 80 women uh, launched allegations against him for sexual abuse. This, in turn, triggered a whole movement across the United States and across the world where people were coming out uh, and taking a stand against sexual harassment and assault, which became known as the Me Too campaign. And number two was the actress and soon-to-be member of the British royal family. Her name is Meghan Markle. Anyone search up Meghan Markle this past year? She is going to be married to Prince Harry. She'll soon be a princess in the British royal family. She was the number two most searched after person in 2017. Do you know who the number one most searched after person in 2017 was? It was this man. It was uh, Matt Lauer. Matt Lauer, he's the former NBC TV news host who, like Harvey Weinstein, made headlines with numerous allegations against him for sexual harassment and misconduct. And see, here, here's the thing. Whether for good reasons or for bad reasons, these were the most searched after people in 2017, according to Google. But I'm here to tell you today that in 2018, the most important person that you can search for is not Gal Gadot, it's not Meghan Markle, it's certainly not Harry Weinstein, it's certainly not Matt Lauer, the most important person you can search for in 2018 is not a new boyfriend, not a new girlfriend, not a new spouse, not a new set of friends, not a new business partner. The most important person that you can search for in 2018 is none other than Jesus Christ. If you believe that, give Jesus a big, big hand here in this place right now. Amen. Jesus is the most important person you can search for in 2018. And the question is, why? Let me give you two reasons why Jesus is the most important person you can search for in 2018. You can write this down. When you find Jesus, your life is transformed for the better. When you find Jesus, your life is never the same again. You know, there's certain people that you meet, even famous people, where after you meet them, your life just kind of goes on as normal. Have you ever met a famous person before, a celebrity before? Many of you have. And, um, you know, I, I, I can remember I, when I was a kid, I was a huge fan of Wayne Gretzky. Have you heard of Wayne Gretzky before? Of course, he is the greatest hockey player, they say, that ever lived. Uh, he's like Canadian royalty in Canada. And, you know, for me, as a nine-year-old, I was a huge Wayne Gretzky fan. In fact, I, I wanted to become the first Asian hockey player in the NHL. That was like my, that was my dream growing up. And I adored Wayne Gretzky. I mean, remember, my dad took me to a Vancouver Canucks game. And it was the Vancouver Canucks against Wayne Gretzky's team, the Edmonton Oilers. And I was like the only Edmonton Oilers fan in the entire section. I had my Edmonton Oilers jersey, and I was a little scrawny kid at nine years old. And, and whenever I thought Wayne Gretzky shot and scored, I would get up from my seat, oh, yeah, go Wayne! And people like, sit down! And, and it was one of the things, because I was just a big Wayne Gretzky fan. And then along came a time when I was on a plane from Edmonton back to Vancouver. And do you know who was on the plane? Wayne Gretzky was on the plane. I was like, seriously, Wayne Gretzky is here? But I was too shy to go up to Wayne Gretzky at that time. But I saw him downstairs after the plane landed, and I got his autograph. And, and let me tell you this. I got his autograph, but my life pretty much just went back to normal. 
I didn't become a better hockey player as a result. I certainly didn't become the first Asian hockey player in the NHL. I didn't become very much a better person in any kind of way. Just life went on as normal. And maybe you find that as well. With most people that you meet, you meet them, and life just pretty much goes on as normal. But let me tell you this. When you meet Jesus, your life is transformed for the better. I said when you meet Jesus, your life is transformed for the better. If you believe that, say amen. John 8, 3 to 11 says it this way. Read it with me in a loud voice. 1, 2, 3, it says, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, if any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said, then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. You know, there's so much we could talk about in this passage. I don't have four hours with you today, though. Let me just sum it up real quick. Jesus, he's in Jerusalem. There is a woman who is caught in the very act of adultery. They take her out of that room or wherever, you know, she's committing that affair. They take her out of there, and these teachers of the law, these Pharisees who are the religious leaders of the day, they take her, they bring her before Jesus, and they say, Jesus, Women like this, according to the law of Moses, deserve to be stoned. What do you say? And see, Jesus was being set up. Because if Jesus were to say, no, don't stone her, he's going against the law of Moses, which he said he was here to fulfill. But if he says, oh yeah, go ahead, stone her, what's going to happen is he's going against the Roman government, who alone had the authority to issue capital punishment. And so he is in a bit of a trap. And not only is Jesus being set up, but they're, of course, there in a way to humiliate this girl. The fact that the girl's there and the guy is not noticed that is a signal to us that maybe this was not completely legit. That maybe there was more to this than that. Because it takes two to have an affair, and only the girl was there. And in many ways, in an effort to stone the girl and trap Jesus, they were hoping to kill two birds with one stone, the girl and Jesus. And I'm here to tell you today, there's a significant lesson what we can learn from this passage. Jesus, instead of answering yes or no, he gets down on the ground. He starts writing with his finger. And a lot of people have tried to speculate, what was Jesus writing? What was Jesus writing in that that dust? What was he writing? Some people say, oh, maybe he was writing uh, uh, like Exodus 20, where it says the finger of God engraves the commandments into tablets of stone. Or maybe, oh yeah, maybe, you know, Jesus, what he was writing was, you know, Exodus 23, where it talks about don't be a malicious witness. Don't be a witness who's just out to get other people into trouble. Or maybe, maybe he was talking about Jeremiah, where it talks about how those in the dust, or those who forsake the Lord will be left in the dust, and he's writing in the dust. Or maybe he's just doodling. Maybe he's just buying time. The fact is, we don't fully know. But what we do know is this. The moment when Jesus gets up, he says, fine. Let he who is without sin be the first to throw a stone. And he gets back down. He starts writing in the ground again. And that moment, 
all the people who are so set on trapping Jesus realize that they themselves have been trapped because none of them can say that they're without sin. And one by one, beginning with the older ones first, they all leave until it's only Jesus and this woman left. Why was Jesus still there? Jesus had said, fine, let the one who's without sin cast the first stone. He was there with that woman, the only one left, because he was the only one without sin. In a sea of people, in a sea and a room full of people, including this room, Jesus is the only one who has never sinned. He stands alone as holy and perfect, the only one who's never disobeyed God's commandments. He, of all people, had the right to stone this woman. He, of all people, had the right to punish this woman. But instead of doing so, he asked the woman, hey, has anyone condemned you? He says, no, sir, or no, Lord. And he says, neither do I condemn you. And why does he say that? Why does he say, I don't condemn you either? It's because just a few days after this incident, Jesus himself would get up on a cross and he would be condemned for her. Jesus would get up on a cross and he would be condemned for you. Jesus got up on the cross and he got condemned for me. He didn't die on the cross because he had sinned. He died on the cross because we had sinned and because he didn't want us to be condemned, because he didn't want us to be separated from God. He took the punishment in our place. He let the stones fall on him so that we could know forgiveness, so that we could be brought back to God, so that we could have a relationship with him, so that we could have a brand new start. And that's what Jesus does. Come on, give out a good big hand in this place because that's what Jesus does. Give him a hand, a big shout in this place right now. Come on. Aren't you glad for what Jesus did? Is that he could have easily said, you know what? Forget it. Stone her. Stone you guys. Forget it. But instead he said, because I love you, because it would kill me. It would, it would basically be the equivalent of stoning me to be separated from you forever. I'm going to be killed myself so that you can go free. That's the power of the gospel. It's that when we had no way of reaching God or pleasing God, when we deserved punishment for our sin and separation from God, God sent Jesus Christ to pay the price, to be condemned so that we could go free. If you believe that, say amen. That's the beauty of what Jesus has done for us. And see, one of those things where Jesus says, let the one who is without sin be the first to cast the stone. Everyone leaves except Jesus. What does that teach you? Is that before you judge others, before you condemn others, take a good look at yourself. Because oftentimes you're going to find people who are quick to judge often themselves struggle with deep sin issues. And so be slow to judge and be quick to show mercy if you believe that, say amen. Amen. And when Jesus says, go and sin no more, that, that message to her isn't, oh, yeah, you know what? You're forgiven. My forgiveness is free. Go and keep on living your life the way you used to. No. He says, you know what? You're forgiven. That forgiveness is free, and it empowers you to live a brand new life, a life that's not a license for immorality, but a license for living a life that's by the power of God. You know, the biggest lesson I want you to take home from John uh, 8 that we're looking at today is when this woman found Jesus, or perhaps more accurately, when, this, when, when Jesus found this woman, this woman's life was transformed for the better. And when this woman found Jesus, instead of finding another accuser, someone else who's going to trap her or, you know, take advantage of her or judge her, she found in Jesus a friend and someone who could stand in her defense. Instead of a dead end, she found a brand new start. Instead of being condemned, she found a new identity. Instead of finding punishment, she found forgiveness and mercy. And can I tell you this today? Is that 2,000 years since that moment, Jesus is still doing the same in people's lives today. 
is that when you find Jesus, your life is transformed for the better. You know, I was working in Taiwan a number of years ago. I was working at a law firm with a girl called Lena. Lena was a very hardworking girl, one of the most hardworking girls that I know. She graduated from law school in Taiwan from a prominent university. She was working really hard in the law firm. Uh, and you know, we, were, we were often working uh, on similar files together. And, and you know, she, she, you know, she, was, she was brash. She was smart. Um, and uh, a little cocky, maybe a little. Uh, but she was incredibly hardworking. And she and I, we, we would often stay really late into the night. Her, another colleague of ours, and me. And we would often be the last people to leave the office. We'd often be the ones to close, turn off the lights and close the door and lock the door before we went home. And so very often, at the end of the workday, after we're kind of done our stuff, before we're about to leave, we'd have these chats across the cubicle, just about life, about God, about all that stuff. And when she found out that I was a Christian, you know what she said? She came from a, uh, she, she grew up uh, for a part of her life in Germany. So she had a very heavy German accent when she would speak in English. So she would say, she said, Justin, that's what the J and JB stands for. She says, Justin, I don't believe in God because there's no proof. There's no proof. That's what she would say. And, and you know, we would have these conversations and, and, and she asked some very intellectual questions about God, about the Bible. We'd talk. And, you know, in those conversations, my hope was that, to show her that, you know, actually the Christian faith is not this blind faith that a lot of people stereotype it to be. But actually, you, there are really good reasons to be a Christian. That there's good evidence for the Bible. That, you know, the Bible is something that you can actually have confidence in trusting in. But, you know, it wasn't those conversations that made the biggest difference. You know what made the biggest difference in Lena's life? Is that Lena was very close friends with a couple that happened to be Christians as well. And they had a little daughter about four years old. And one day, Lena is walking down the street with this couple and this little four-year-old girl. And out of the blue, somehow Jesus came up in their conversation. And this little girl, out of the blue, says to Lena, she says, Lena, Jesus loves you a lot. And, you know, for some reason, this very intellectual, this very smart girl Here's this four-year-old saying, Jesus loves you. And something on the inside of her just melted. It was as if there was like a wall that came down for the first time. And that's not to say she had no more questions. That's not to say she became a Christian right there and then. But all of a sudden, she had an openness to God. All of a sudden, she started to search for Jesus in a way that she had never done so before. She started going to church, started reading the Bible. And as she did this more and more, you could see her transforming from month to month as she was in the office, from this kind of cocky girl, she became extremely humble. From this very stressed out girl, she became extremely joyful and full of peace. And then one day she walked into my office because I'd moved from a cubicle to an office and, and she said, Justin, I want to get baptized uh, and uh, I want you to be there. And so remember on that day, we, we got into this church and we sat on the balcony Pastor Charlene and myself, we were there, and we're watching this girl that, for, like, that months ago had said, I don't believe in God because there's no proof. She, she comes up on the stage, and she gets baptized to say, I need a Savior. My name, his name is Jesus. And she does that uh, in an amazing way. And after that, she became the most contagious Christian in our office. She'd be telling our boss, you should go to church. Church is awesome. She'd be telling our coworkers, hey, come to church with me. It's awesome. So, you know, there's something powerful and transforming about the presence of Jesus. Amen? Jesus is the ultimate transformer. Forget Bumblebee. Forget about Optimus Prime. Forget about Megatron. The ultimate transformer is Jesus Christ. You can be bitter and negative and depressed and complaining about life, but when you get near Jesus and you get to know him, 
All of a sudden, you realize, you know, life is not nearly as bad, I was saying, as it was. You, you, you can start to choose an attitude of gratitude because you've got Jesus in your life. You can be so worried and upset about all sorts of things, but then when you get near Jesus and you spend time in his presence, all of a sudden you experience a peace that you can't even understand. You experience a confidence to know, you know what, everything's going to be more than okay. You, know, you could be on the verge of giving up. You're so tired and fed up about everything that's going on, trying to do the right thing and still things are not working out. And you can get near Jesus and spend time in his presence, and all of a sudden you have this ability to keep on going and keep on doing the right thing. You might be someone who's lacking wisdom or understanding or insight about a situation or a problem that you don't know how to solve, but then when you get into the presence of Jesus and you spend time beside him and near him, all of a sudden you find insight and wisdom to help you to overcome that situation. You can feel like your things are stale and old and boring, but when you get near Jesus and you spend time in his presence, all of a sudden he makes things new. If you believe that, say amen. That's what Jesus does. And so if you're here today and you're struggling with depression, or you're here today and you're struggling with an addiction, or a secret struggle that no one else knows about, or maybe it's you know, a temptation that you've been dealing with, or it's a problem in a relationship that you care about, or it's an uncertainty about your life or about your future that you have no solution for right now, can I tell you this today? In 2018, what you need more than anything else, more than a boyfriend, more than a girlfriend, more than a new job, more than move to a new city, what you need more than anything is you need to search for Jesus and find him and get near him, because when you do, life is not the same again. Again, if you believe that, give God a big, big hand in this place right now because Jesus transforms lives. Come on, give God a big shout in this place right now. Amen. Here's the thing. You can write this down. Until you search for and find Jesus, you will never be satisfied. You know, we often talk about here at Thrive how God has placed a God-sized hole in our heart. That no matter what you try to fill that hole with, you can try to fill that hole with friends, with money, with power, with success, with sex, with entertainment, with pleasure, with, with all stuff that you think is going to make you happy. But at the end of the day, because it's a God-sized hole, you will never be able to fill it with anything other than God. But when you get near Jesus, when you spend time with him, when you search for him and find him, all of a sudden, that God-sized hole is filled. In fact, I was reading an interview of one of Hollywood's most famous actors. I'm not going to say his name, but this is what he said. And uh, it, it, it kind of took me... Uh, uh, took me off guard. He said this, sometimes I feel like I'm, a, I'm living a meaningless life. I know I'm one of the luckiest dudes in America right now. I've got a great house. My parents don't have to work. I've got money. I'm famous. But it could all change. It could all go away. You never know. I have no idea where this insecurity comes from, but it is like a God-sized hole. If I knew how, I'd fill it and I'd be on my way. And when he said that, I have no idea where this insecurity comes from. It's like a God-sized hole. I thought to myself, man, has he been coming to Thrive Church? Because I thought only we talked about the God-sized hole. He's talking about this God-sized hole and how each one of us has this longing for God that nothing the world offers can fill. Let's read Ecclesiastes 3.11. It says this. Read it with me in a loud voice. One, two, three. It says, he has planted eternity in the human heart. What does that mean? It means that in every single one of us, no matter where you come from, God has placed eternity in your heart, a longing for God in your heart, a longing for something that's going to last, a longing for God for something that's not temporary, a longing for something that's eternal. It's a God-sized hole that God has placed in your heart. And to fill that hole, God sent Jesus Christ so that he could fulfill the deepest longing of your life. And until you have Jesus, until you search for him and find him, you're going to find you're never satisfied 
satisfied. But when you find him, that longing deep inside of you has an answer. Look at Psalm 63, verse 1. Read it with me in a loud voice. It says, Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. Look at another one, Psalm 105. What does it say? It says, Search for the Lord and for his strength. Continually seek him. Turn to your neighbor and say, Search for the Lord. Search for the Lord. Look at Jeremiah. It says in 29 verse 13, it says, And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Why is it that over and over the Bible says, Search for God. Search for the Lord. Search for Jesus. It's because you will not be satisfied until you find Jesus. You will not be at peace until you find Jesus. You will not have a purpose worth living for until you find Jesus. You were made to have Jesus in your life. And that's why he says, search for him. Search for him. And so the question is this. Since we could all use a brand new start in 2018, since we all need forgiveness, since we all need hope, since we all want to make the most of the 2018, and since being with Jesus and searching for him and finding him is part and parcel of having a great year in 2018, let me ask this question. Where are you going to find Jesus in 2018? Where are you going to find him? You know, in, my, in my search and my research for last week's message about stars, I, I came across this website where it's uh, talking about where you can find stars in our city, where you can find celebrities, in other words. Uh, and so it'll, it'll say stuff like, you know, if you are a big fan of Drake, you know, the, the R&B rapper Drake, you know, you took my love for granted. I just don't understand. You know that one? Yeah, Drake. If you want to find him, the best place to go, go to Yale Town. It's called Chiopino's Mediterranean Grill. Apparently that he goes there often, all right? If you are a fan of that hit TV series called Once Upon a Time, well, apparently you can find them at Steveson Village, just down the road. Just go down number one road because they film their TV series in Steveson. If you want to find Ben Stiller, uh, you know, the comedian, the comic actor, Ben Stiller, you, they say he can be spotted often at the Kiefer, which is a bar in downtown near Chinatown. Probably not looking like that, but uh, you might find him there. If you want to spot celebrities like Sean Connery, the original James Bond, apparently you can find him sometimes at the Sutton Place Hotel, where he likes to stay. If you are a fan of Oprah, apparently Oprah and Tom Cruise, they like to stay at the Shangri-La Hotel, all right? If you are a fan of George Clooney, any George Clooney fans here? Okay, good-looking guy. You know, most likely they say you can find him at Gotham's Steakhouse, all right? He's a steak lover, I guess. And if you want to find Kate Winslet, we talked about Kate Winslet last week, right? Jack, I won't let go, Jack. Chuck, that, that Kate Winslet, apparently she has been spotted at this new restaurant on West 4th. It's a Thai restaurant called Mei Nam, all right? And uh, these are apparently the places where you can find these celebrities. Now, can I tell you this? I'm telling this to you now. There's no guarantee you're going to find them there, all right? There's no guarantee. Tony, there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee because, number one, these stars aren't always in Vancouver. They might come to Vancouver maybe once a what, like a weekend, a year, maybe, so there's no guarantee. Also, the fact that there's articles on the internet saying you can find them there probably decreases the likelihood that they'll ever go there again, right? But let me tell you this. There are three places where you, in 2018, can find Jesus. And just because I told you so, and just because you know now, it's not going to keep Jesus from still going to those places. In fact, he would be delighted to see you there. Number one, let me give you three places that you can write down where you will find Jesus in 2018. Write this down right now. Number one is find Jesus in a small group. 
find Jesus in a small group. So everyone say small groups. What is a small group? A small group is, you know, three, four, five, six, up to 12, 13 people that will meet together here at Thrive Church where we talk about the sermon, what we learn in the sermon. We pray together. We encourage one another. We, we, we talk about our questions with one another. We hang out with one another. How many of you guys know that small groups are a huge part of Thrive Church? If you call yourself a member of Thrive Church, but you're not part of a small group, then you're missing half the picture because small groups is a huge part of Thrive Church. It's where we build relationships. It's where we connect horizontally with one another. Here in service, it's always awesome. It's awesome to sit under the teaching of God's word. It's awesome to be in God's presence, to sing songs together. And it's, it's, it's the, where we build that vertical relationship together with God. But how many of us know it's tough to build horizontal relationships with others when you're all facing the same direction? It's tough. It's tough. But when you get in a small group and you face one another and you can talk about each other's problems, you can talk, each other, talk with each other about each other's questions, you can encourage one another, you can pray for one another, you can find Jesus in a small group. If you believe that, say amen. For example, this past week, in addition to people receiving Jesus at our Christmas service last Sunday, which was awesome, it's been really cool to hear a number of different stories of people finding Jesus in small groups. And in one case, for example, there was a, I heard of a son who was having a conversation with his dad. And in that little small group, just the two of them, that son and that father started talking about God and about Jesus. And that father, with the help of his son, prayed a prayer to receive Jesus in his life this past week. Let's give God a big, big hand for that. That's really, really cool. And, and not just that, but because he simply believed, I need a Savior, his name is Jesus, because of that, he got baptized this past week. He got a, had a chance to baptize him as well. You know, in another case, there was a brother and a sister. The brother and sister, the sister, uh, the brother comes to Thrive Church, the sister does not, but the sister came to our Christmas service. She was impacted by what she heard and what she experienced there. Later this past week, she and her brother were hanging out. Her brother's wife was there too. And in this small group, they just started talking about what happened, what they heard at this Christmas service. And you know what? At the end of that conversation, that sister gave her life to Jesus as well. Can we give God a big, big hand for all of that that God is doing in small groups? What's going on is that people are finding Jesus in small groups. Amen. Matthew 18.20 says it this way. It says, Matthew 18, 20 says, For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. When it's just you and someone else, and you're coming together in the name of Jesus, because you both believe in Jesus, God says, my son Jesus is there as well. Jesus says, there I am too. And so if you're not part of a small group right now here at Thrive, can I encourage you to get part of a small group in 2018? It might be the best thing you do in 2018 is to get part of a small group. Don't be a lone ranger on your own, but get connected. You're always going to feel kind of you're on the side, not really connected to people if you don't go to small group and you only come to service. But when you get part of a small group, that's when you can find Jesus in a brand new way. If you believe it, say amen. And then turn to your neighbor and say, get part of a small group. Amen. Number two, number two, if you want to find Jesus in 2018, then we want to find Jesus through serving others, through serving others. If you want to find Jesus in 2018, another place to find them is by using what you have been given to serve other people. You know, often when we ask people at Thrive, you know, when did you grow most in your relationship with God this past year? Do you know what most people will say? Most people will say, and you know, uh, it, it humbles me. Most people don't say, oh yeah, it was that sermon that JB preached on that. They, 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 they won't say that. What they'll say is, oh yeah, it's when I took a step of faith. It was when I, I, I had the, some time on my hands and I decided to use it to go on a short-term mission trip. 
It's, it's when I, I, I had, you know, uh, you know this, this opportunity to reach out to my friend. And for some reason, I took that opportunity. And, and God moved in a powerful way. And, and, you know, for example, this past year, we, we sent 14 people on missions, on short-term missions this past year. And we want to send even more people in 2018 on short-term missions. And, and you know, different stories that we've heard over the past year, people like a, like a group of, of, of young adults going to Taiwan. And, you know, none of them are pastors, but they go, they, they, they meet with these these teens, these adolescents in Taiwan. They each share their testimony of how they received Jesus in their life. And then one of them, you know, never done it before, but she does it in that moment. She says, you know, does anyone want to receive Jesus? And about 90% of the, the young people in that meeting, they raise their hands to receive Jesus. And it's an amazing thing. They were finding Jesus while serving others. Amen. And see, that's why this coming year, we want to make as many opportunities as, po- as possible open and available to you. That's why we've got the trip to Myanmar that's coming up in March and in April. We've got another trip we're going to be talking about next week. And we want to encourage you to make the most out of every opportunity to use what you've been given to serve others. Because when you serve others, you find Jesus. If you believe that, say amen. And if, you know, you're thinking about not just serving overseas, but serving locally, you're like, you know, I love what's going on here at Thrive. What can I do to to help? What can I do to serve? Then you know what? You can do this. Take that little purple card that you find on the back of your seat. It's called a prayer request card. And if you want to get serving and get volunteering here at Thrive, you can take a pen. I love those pens. Take a pen and you'll just, and just go and just write down, say, I'm willing to help wherever's needed or can I help in this way? Write that down, put in the offering bag later, because when you serve God, Not only do you help others, you find Jesus as well. Look at Matthew 25, verse 40 with me. What does it say? One, two, three, it says, The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did for me. When you serve others, Jesus is there. When you serve others humbly, Jesus is there. When you serve others with excellence and you give your best to help them, Jesus is there. When you forgive someone from your heart, Jesus is there. We want to experience God this summer or this, this, this year. We want to find Jesus in 2018. And if we want to do so, it's time to serve others like never before. If you believe that, say amen. Is this helpful in this place this morning? We're going to end today with one final place where you can find Jesus. And this one for today is the most important. You can start this one today. Number three, if you want to find Jesus in 2018, find Jesus in the secret. Find Jesus in the secret. What do I mean by that? I'm tell you a little story. But 20 years ago, I graduated from high school. So that, that now you know how old I am, roughly. And um, my family decided to take a trip to uh, the U.S. In fact, we decided to take a trip to Hawaii. Anyone been to Hawaii before? I was so excited to go to Hawaii. I had all these visions of me on the beach, suntanning. I had these visions of me, you know, you know, trying surfing for the first time. I had all these visions of me in a in a in a in a grass skirt doing the luau. I had all these visions of me. I'm kidding about the last one, but like I had a vision of all those things that I could do when I got to Hawaii. But there was a vision I had about myself that I really wanted to make happen more than any other. Do you know what it was? It's kind of weird. Let me tell you what it is. Is that I just finished watching the Rocky Three movie. You know Rocky. You know Adrian. The boxer. And in Rocky Three, it's where he fights Mr. T. And there's a moment where he's training for this battle, this upcoming battle with Mr. T, where he is on a beach. And Rocky, he's training. He's, got, he, he's wearing a tank top. He's, he's all ripped. Uh, and and, and he's, he, he's barefoot. He's got no shoes or socks. And he's just running so fast down the beach. I thought, oh, that looks so cool. I want to do the same thing. And you know what I did? Is I decided, you know what? The first thing I'm going to do when I get to Hawaii is I'm going to be like Rocky. I'm going to run on the beach barefoot. That's what, that, that, was my, that was my plan. Tell, tell person, that was his plan. 
And, and so you know what I did? That first day we got, we landed to Honol- in Honolulu. We checked into our hotel. I said, Mom, Dad, I'm going to go for a run. I'll see you guys later. And I went off. I went onto the beach. I, I, I took off my shoes and my socks. I was wearing a tank top just like Rocky. And I decided, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reenact the scene. And I just started to run down the beach as fast as I could. I was jumping over small children. I was, you know, jumping over seagulls. I was just, just, just doing this, running as fast as I could until I could run no more. And at the end, I'm like, oh, oh, that was so cool. But then I looked at the bottom of my feet. And for some reason, because the sand was so hot, the first layer of skin came off both of my feet. And I went from, yeah, to, and, 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 and you, you can almost see a trail of blood that like kind of, kind of coming, coming toward me because I guess without knowing it, I'd burned my feet on the sand and to the point where it was tough for me to walk. And I end up feeling really strong to feeling really weak. And I'm, 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 I'm like basically walking this way back to the hotel. I, I, I you know, very embarrassingly pick up my shoes and my socks. I'm walking back to the hotel. My parents are like, oh, how's the run? I was like, good. And then I, I get back in the hotel, and guess what? For the next two weeks, all I could do was sit on the balcony of my hotel room while I watched my family do all the things that I wanted to do. Everyone say, aww. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that, that really helps. You know, and, 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 but, but here's the thing. Why do I mention that to you? It's because what was significant about it was what happened right after. Is that back then, I had nothing else to do but sit on a balcony, and I had brought nothing except my Bible. At that time, I was a new Christian. I, I was starting to grow my relationship with God. I was starting to develop the habit that we here at Thrive call our game time. And if you know what the game stands for, say it with me. It stands for the God and me experience. And it's simply about spending a little bit of time every day to read a bit of God's word, read a little bit of the Bible, and to learn to pray. And I started to develop that habit. Sometimes it's 10 minutes, sometimes it's 20 minutes. It was just this little habit I had. And all of a sudden, for the next two weeks, I had nothing to do except to read my Bible. I thought, oh my goodness, what kind of vacation is this? But you know what? Something happened in the process. I'm on the balcony, and uh, I'm, I'm sitting on this balcony chair, on this beach chair. I've got my Bible open. And before, like, you know, my, I guess my time with God was like, you know, 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. But because I had nothing else to do, I, I just had unhurried time with God. And during that time, you know what happened? Is that I fell in love with the Word of God in a way that I'd never experienced before. Whereas I was reading the Gospel of John, and I'm just like, man, why is it that I've missed this all this time? I never knew that was in there. That's amazing. And he flipped the page. Seriously, how could I miss this? This is amazing. And I started to fall in love with the Word of God. And not just the Word of God, but I just felt like I was closer to the Spirit of God than I ever felt in my life. Where, like, not a wind from the outside, but it was almost like there was, like, a wind on the inside of me. And like just feeling God's presence in such a close and personal way, it was a life-changing thing to the point where I didn't want to go anywhere else. I'd be waving at my family while they're down at the beach. I'm like, you know, I'm actually good here. I'm all right. Because they, here on that balcony, somehow I found Jesus in the secret of my time with him. And, you know, during that time, I, I learned a couple things. Is, is that One is that sometimes circumstances will happen in your life which are disappointing, which are things you don't expect, things that you might not want. Maybe it was your fault that it happened. Maybe it was someone else's fault that it happened. But God will allow those difficult circumstances in your life, not because he's cruel, not because he's not there, not because he doesn't care, but he allows it in your life so that ultimately you would reach for him. So that ultimately you would reach for him. Are you going through a situation like that today? Maybe you were burned, not necessarily on your feet, but maybe you were burned in some other way. 
and you've felt really crappy as a result. You felt like, man, this is such a tough time right now. Can I tell you? God is here, and he loves you. And the reason why he's allowing you to go through this time is not because he's not there, and not because he doesn't care. He's doing it so that you, through that circumstance, would learn to reach for God, search for God, and find him like never before. If you believe that, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. That's why he allows you to go through that circumstance. Turn to your neighbor and say, God has a plan. There's a second lesson I learned from that experience, which is that coming to church is awesome. Being part of a small group, important. Being here on a Sunday morning, sitting with others, being taught the word of God, necessary, essential. But the thing you need to know is if you really want to grow in your relationship with God, it's about learning to meet with God in the secret. It's about learning to build a life and a relationship of intimacy with Jesus. And I want to tell you today that the most important thing that you can possibly do in 2018 is to search for Jesus in the secret. And that's why with that in mind, I want to look at Luke 15, Luke 5, verse 16. What does it say? It says, read it with me loud voice. One, two, three, it says, as often as possible, Jesus withdrew to out-of-the-way places for prayer. You know why Jesus was so effective, so powerful? Why his ministry was so life-changing? Why was he the most influential person who's ever walked the earth? More than because he was the son of God. It's because he developed a relationship with his father where he would go out of his way to meet with him. He would go out of his way to spend time with him. He would just sit in the presence of his father, tell him about his day, tell him about his burdens, his questions, his frustrations, spend time meditating on the word of God. And because of that, he grew in his intimacy with the father and that enabled him to live such a powerful life. And the same goes for you and for me. Just as Jesus, as often as possible, withdrew to out of the way places for prayer, you and I, if you wanna live a powerful life in 2018, if you wanna see God expand your territory in 2018, it's about as much as possible, as often as possible, withdrawing to out of the way places for prayer. If you believe that, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now, because it's about finding Jesus in the secret. It's about learning to spend a bit more time with God in the secret. And that's why together as a church, we're going to be doing something very, very soon that I think is going to help a lot of you in this place. And I'm really excited to share about it, is that this coming January, starting January the 8th to February 24, we're going to be doing a little challenge. We call it the 40-day game time challenge. And what that is, is that for 40 days, from January 8th to February 24, we want to encourage you to spend a little bit of time with God every day, reading a little bit of God's word, the Bible, spending a little bit of time in prayer. It could be 10 minutes. It could be 30 minutes. It could be an hour. It's up to you, depending on where you're at. Maybe you're here in this place, and you have never read the Bible before. That's awesome. This is an awesome opportunity for you to get to know God in a really cool and personal way. Maybe you're here in this place, and you already have a game time with God. This is an opportunity for you to upgrade your spiritual workout with Him. And the goal of this game time challenge is to help every adult and every teen here at Thrive Church to develop the habit of a daily time with God, reading God's word and prayer. In fact, my hope is that down the road, we're not just going to have a game challenge for adults and teens, but we'll also have it for kids as well. Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah? Yeah? Children's coordinator? Yeah? 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 I think that'd be awesome. I think that'd be really cool. But see, we're going to start with our adults and our teens so we can lead our kids well. How does the game challenge work? Well, really quick, let me show you how it works. Step one, 
You got these cards on your chairs that you found this morning. This is your game challenge sign-up card. I want you to take a pen. Did I say I love those pens? I love those pens. Go grab those pens and fill out that game challenge card, and you're going to use that to sign up for the game challenge. Step number two is you want to pick up a January game booklet. The game booklet is a little thin booklet that you can buy from the uh, Welcome Center. It's only $2, and it's just a, it's a bunch of Bible passages that we will read together as a church. And there's a place where you can fill out your questions or the things that you learned. You can get that at the Welcome Center after uh, the service today. Step number three is each day you're going to read that Bible passage for that day. And you're going to think about it, you're going to reflect on it, and it's a chance for you just to record your thoughts or write down a prayer in your game booklet or in your phone, whatever it may be. Step number four is that every day you want to take some time to just be still in God's presence, to worship God, to pray to God, to give him your burdens, to be still and silent before him. Uh, you know, to, to pray out loud and to worship him, whatever suits you to get near God. You want to spend a set amount of time, try to, try to push yourself to say, oh, you know, if you, if you don't really pray, say, okay, I'm going to try to do this for two minutes, two minutes every day. Or maybe you pray for five minutes a day before you go to bed. You're saying, oh, at the beginning of every day, I'm going to pray for 10 minutes before I take a shower or before I go to school, before I go to work. It's however you want to do it, but you want to spend that time in prayer. Number five, step five is this is optional, but we highly recommend it, is that every day you'll notice that I send an email to all those who want it where I say, hey, this is what I learned in my game time today. This is what I learned while reading my Bible. This is what I believe the Holy Spirit was teaching me. And I'll send it to all of you guys who need it and want it. And part of you signing up for the game challenge is that you're going to get access to that as well. You know, I would have loved it growing up in church if my pastor, if I had a way to somehow kind of walk with my pastor through the Bible, where I could kind of pick his brain and find out, what do you think about this Bible passage? You have an opportunity to do that with me this coming January. If you believe that's a good thing, you've got a big, big hand here in this place right now. That's really, really cool. And in fact, we, we've even gotten some people to, to write down, you know, what, like if, if they found our game sharings every day helpful. This is what some people wrote. One person said, with Pastor JB's game sharing emails, not only are the emails sent first thing in the morning, but the Bible passage is also nicely broken down and analyzed. The lessons he shares are encouraging, applicable, and a great way to start or end the day. If you believe that, say amen. Here's another one. It says, Pastor JB's game-sharing emails really give me a lot of guidance and insight about the passages we read, some of which can be, sometimes be difficult to comprehend and relate to. Pastor JB not only dissects the passages for us so that we understand the context, but also explains it in a way that's practical and applicable to our everyday lives. Third person, they wrote, Pastor JB's daily game-sharings are just like a lamp that leads me into truth every day. They are tools as well as warnings that help me deal with daily obstacles in my life. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. So you're going to have an opportunity to get access to those emails that I send every day when you sign up on this card today. Step number six is take the TDS equipping class. What does TDS stand for? If you know it, say it with me. TDS stands for Thrive Discipleship School. It's a program we've developed, like a training program, a workout program that we've developed for you so you can grow in your relationship with God. And one of the classes that we take you through is called How to Have a Daily Time with God. If you don't know how to spend time with God in the secret, if you 
you don't have that habit, then this is an incredibly helpful course. Some people who've wrote, written about this course, they said, the biggest help I found in TDS2 was that it provided a lot of helpful tips on reading the Bible, especially tips on preparing my heart before my game time, something I sometimes neglected, dot, 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 awesome class. Uh, someone else said, TDS2 allowed me to know that there are many ways to have a good habit of reading the Bible or spending time with God on a daily basis. It also helped me to learn the importance of reading God's word and what it means to truly spend time with God. So you're going to get access to that class as well. And it's all free. It's all free. Number, step, step number seven says, attend a small group where you get to share what you're learning in your game time, bounce questions off one another, share about your challenges, pray for another, because being in a small group is part of that. Step number eight, do steps three to five which is what you spend time reading the passage, you spend time praying, you might watch or read the game email that I send, and if you do that from January 8th to February 24th, you will have beat the game challenge. Come on, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. Are you excited about the game challenge? The game challenge 2018 is just around the corner. What's the prize that you're going to win if you beat the game challenge? Well, there's two things. There's a small group prize that we're going to talk, talk, talk about next week. But there's also, of course, an individual prize. What can you expect to gain as a result of doing the game challenge? Well, here are a few things. You will have a closer relationship with the Holy Spirit. You will be closer to God as a result. You'll have a closer, more intimate relationship. Another one is you'll have a deeper understanding of the Bible. You'll understand God's word better. Another one is you'll have a, a daily habit or a habit of a daily time with God. Another one is that you're going to have a better ability to hear when God is speaking to you. If you've ever thought, how do I know when God's speaking to me? You'll have a better idea of that at the end of this challenge. Another one is that you'll have more peace in your heart. You have a heart that's more at rest. If you worry a lot, if you're anxious a lot, if you're fearful a lot, this is such a good thing for you. Another one is you'll have more hope in your life. Hope for tomorrow. Hope for today. You'll have more joy. You know, in your toughest times, there's still a joy that you can experience when you draw close to Jesus. Another one is more wisdom. Wisdom to face your circumstances. Wisdom to make good decisions. Finally, is that you'll become more like Jesus in your character. I couldn't think of a better prize than just that right now. If you believe that, say amen. But that said, if you do all those things and you complete the game challenge, we'll even also give you a certificate and maybe even a prayer journal that we've got just for you as well. You know, last year we had different people do the game challenge in 2017. And this is what they wrote about their experience. You guys want to hear a few things that they said? They said this. They said, I asked them, how has doing the game challenge helped your relationship with God? One person said, because of the game challenge, I've started to pray to God more and feel a longing for his words. I also feel joy in my heart having this alone time with him, just thanking him for whatever happens in my life and sharing my happy moments and sad moments with him. Another person said, through the game challenge, I learned to make my game time with God my priority first thing in the morning, and it gives me so much strength throughout the day to face whatever comes. Another person said, after doing game time consistently for a certain amount of time, it doesn't feel like a chore anymore. I can focus on God and actually enjoy learning his words every day. If you believe it, say amen. Another one said, through the game challenge, God has increased the desire in my heart to know him and to seek him more, especially the desire to know, believe, and experience his power in my life. Another person said, by doing the game challenge, my perspective on each day changes dramatically. I would start my day stronger because I'm reminded of God's love for me and that there's a relationship between me and him. I would end my day with a more thankful heart regardless of how the day went because I know our God is with us every moment of our lives. Come on, give God a big, big hand for the way that he's been using the game challenge in the lives of people in our church. Give him a big shout as well. Come on. Amen. Amen. So what do you guys think? Are you guys up for the game challenge? Yeah? 
in case you're still sitting on the fence, you're like, ah, I'm not too sure, can I encourage you with something? I asked uh, some of these people who wrote uh, to say, you know, what would you say to someone who is like you think, sitting on the fence right now, all right? Uh, they would say, uh, what would you say to someone who's thinking about doing the game challenge? They said, go for it. We need a daily dose of spiritual food to feed our spirit every day. Someone, someone else said, it, it is a must-do challenge. I want to say a must-do challenge. Turn to your and say, it's a must-do challenge. It will help to develop your game time habit. Having game time is an awesome opportunity for you to have a deeper and stronger relationship with Jesus. Another one said, um, it will change your life and build a stronger relationship with God, and it only gets better from there. Last person said, it is worth giving it a try. You won't regret it. Turn to someone else and say, you won't regret it. You won't regret it. Praise God. You know, our goal for this year is we want to see at least 100 people signing up for the game challenge. And uh, if you already have the habit of a daily time with God, sign up because it is an encouragement to those who are starting. It's also a way for you to challenge yourself to do something that maybe you don't already do. Maybe you can add to your workout this coming year. Uh, let's say I'm going to try to memorize some verses. So a lot of guys that uh, I've been talking to over the past year have found that memorizing verses of Scripture have helped them so much. For, for, for you, maybe it's like, you know, I'm not, not every day, but maybe three times a week, I'm going to spend some quality time extended time in prayer, maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I'm just going to spend that time for challenge yourself. Maybe it's about saying, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a book in the Bible. I'm going to study it a bit more carefully. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to you know, summarize it if I can so that I can get to know God's word better. Praise God. We can all grow in our relationship with God in the way we search for him in the secret. If you believe that, say amen. And so in just a minute, I'm going to encourage you guys to bring up your sign-up forms for the Game Time Challenge. Whether you're here for the first time or you've been here before, we encourage you to take part in it. You can use the pen to sign up for that. We're going to ask you to, to bring that in in just a second. But let's end off with one last verse, 1 Timothy 4.7. What does it say? Read it with me in a loud voice. One, two, three, it says, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Everyone say, train myself. How many of you guys know that a relationship with God involves training? You know, just like any close relationship in your life, it doesn't just happen instantly without you working at it. How many of you guys know that the best relationships require work? It's like a spiritual workout. Those of you who like to go to the gym, you like to go to City Community Center and, and bench press, you like to get on a treadmill and, and do your stuff, you like to you know, work out in a class, an aerobics class, I'm here to tell you today that even more than you need to work out physically, we need to work out spiritually. Because physical training is of definitely some value. Spiritual training holds value for all things, Paul says. And so we want to do our best during these next 40 days to train ourselves to be godly. If you believe that, say amen. 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 You know, I've been to church all my life. I went through seasons when I incredibly doubted my faith, went through seasons when I almost abandoned my faith. Uh, I've gone through seasons when I've grown so much in my faith. I've gone through seasons where, you know, I have rejoiced in my faith. But can I tell you this? When did I really start growing in my faith? It was when I started to take responsibility for my faith. Is to say, you know what, the time when I grew was when I started going to that conference or listening to that speaker necessarily or re reading that book. Or, or it wasn't really any one thing, but it was when I decided that every day 
I'm going to spend time with God. It's about taking responsibility. So that's not my pastor's fault that I'm not growing. It's not my neighbor's fault that I'm not growing. It's not my parents' fault that I'm not growing. It's not any, it's not my church's fault that I'm not growing. It's because I'm taking responsibility. Train yourself to be godly. If you do that, you're going to find you grow deeper and stronger in 2018. If you do that, you'll find in 2018, God is going to expand your territory. When you search for Jesus, you're going to find him. And if you believe that, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. God is with us in this place. Praise God. Has this been helpful today? What an awesome way to end off our 2017 year. Why don't you stand up, find people on your right and your left. Give them a high five and say, in 2018, let's search for Jesus together. Amen. 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 Well, we're going to take a moment right now to respond to God. And so with every head bowed and with every eye closed, I have a question to ask the people in this place. Don't worry about your neighbor, what they're doing right now. But this is a question I want to ask you personally today. Is that in 2018, are you going to search for Jesus? In 2018, are you going to search for Jesus? Today I've told you three places where you're going to find him. You're going to find him in a small group. You're going to find him when you serve others. And you're going to find him in the secret. And if you want to find Jesus in 2018, if you want to search for him and find that he expands your territory in this new year, in 2018, then I'm going to encourage you to do this one thing right now. When I count to three, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. And uh, we're just going to respond to God by praying together right now. As a band plays, I'm just going to invite you from the count of three, on the count of three, just to raise your hand. If you want 2018 to be the year when God expands your territory, if you want the 2018 to be the year when you grow closer to God, when you, if you want 2018 to be the year when you search for Jesus like never before, then why don't you raise your hand on the count of one, two, three. Raise your hands high to heaven right now. Just raise your hands high to heaven right now. And just from your heart, in your own words, just start talking to God right now. Just from your heart, in your own words, just start talking to God. Just talk to Him and just thank Him for this morning. Thank you for what you thank Him for what you learned this morning. Thank Him for the blessings in your life today. Tell Him, God, I want to I want to seek You today. Come on, church, just start talking to God right now. Come on, team, let's all talk talking right now. Come on, come on, Jesus, we thank You today. We thank You, Jesus. We praise You today. God, we thank You. God, our hearts will never be satisfied until we find You. Thank you that when we find you, we have everything we need. Thank you that when we find you, our lives are transformed for the better. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. God, we praise you today. God, we worship you today. God, we thank you. God, there's none like you. Hallelujah. Praise your name. Praise you, God. Amen. 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 I'm going to ask you to do this one thing with me. Is that you've got um, on your chairs, you've got the sign-up cards for the Game Time Challenge. As the music plays and we sing this song, if you want to sign up for the Game Time Challenge, if you haven't yet, make sure you fill that now. I'm gonna ask you to take that card and you can bring it up to the front. You can put it down and you can take one of these Game Challenge guides that's gonna help you and give you more info on what the Game Challenge is all about. And when we get that card, we can contact you and let you know more uh, and give you the resources that we've been talking about today. And so as we sing this song, why don't you fill up that card? Why don't you bring it up to the front? Grab a game challenge guide as we sign up for the game challenge together. Let's do this together as a church and let's search for Jesus together in 2018. Let's sing this song together. I can't believe With every head bowed, if you want to see Jesus growing and expanding your territory in 2018, if you want to search for him and find him in the secret, I want you to pray this prayer with me. I want you to lift your hands to God today and just pray this prayer with me today and say, Dear Jesus, thank you that you came to give me a brand new start and a brand new life with you. 
thank you that in 2018, I get to experience you, draw close to you, search for you, and find you. Thank you for loving me long before I ever thought about you. And I respond to you today. Let 2018 be the best year of my life, the best year so far, because you are with me and the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. One last thing we're going to do is if you desire for God to work in your life and in our church in 2018, then we're just going to lift up our prayers to God today for this coming year. Thank God for the past 2017 year when he expanded our territory in very cool ways. Let's believe the best is yet to come. So if you believe and you desire for God to do even greater things through Thrive Church in 2018, why don't you lift your hands to God today. Let the height of your hands reflect how much you want God to work in and through our church this coming year. And let's all pray aloud together that in this coming year, we will grow more in love with Jesus. That this coming year, he would expand his territory in us. And that more and more people come know Jesus Christ as their Savior in 2018. So why don't you lift up your hands to God. Let the height of your hands reflect how great that desire is in you. And let's pray out loud together for this coming year. Let's proclaim that 2018, the best is yet to come. Start praying to out loud, church. In your own words, just start talking to God right now. Jesus, we thank you today. God, we proclaim that 2018, the best is yet to come. That in 2018, the favor of God is on our lives. That in 2018, we have your protection. That in 2018, you will guide us and speak to us. In 2018, we're going to make disciples. In 2018, we're going to baptize people. In 2018, you're going to build your church and your kingdom is going to come. We welcome you, Jesus. We say, God, move powerfully through our church. We proclaim the best is yet to come. Move, Lord Jesus, through our church. Move through the city of Vancouver. Move through all of greater Vancouver. Move through my friends, my brothers and sisters here. We thank you, Jesus. We give you praise. We give you thanks. We thank you, God. Praise your name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. God, we want to thank you so much that as great as 2017 has been, we believe that 2018, the best is yet to come. We thank you, God, for the ways you have blessed Thrive Church. We want to thank you for the ways you've expanded our territory. And here on the cusp of a brand new year, we ask you, God, to do so even more in 2018. That in 2018, we will bring more people to Jesus. That in 2018, we'd fall more in love with you. That in 2018, you would expand your territory in us. That in 2018, we'd be alive, expectant, involved, out loud, united disciples of Jesus like never before. We pray, Father God, your favor would rest upon every single person here, your protection on their lives in 2018. We proclaim your blessing on their lives in 2018, your guidance and wisdom for their lives in 2018. We thank you, God, that even before we step into 2018, you're already there, you've already gone ahead of us, and that you will prepare the way so that your church and your territory can expand in and through us so that the best is yet to come. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, give God a big hand, a big shout. Let's play together right now. Come on.